0: Well, it's a fine good morning here in Hum and Holler land. Welcome back to our podcast that accompanies the 2021 calendar of small spells.
1: If you're going through the calendar this year, page by page, spell by spell, and sometimes finding yourself baffled, what does this mean? What were they thinking? Am I supposed to do something with this? This is the podcast that offers you partly our own bafflement as well about the mysteries and vicissitudes of the creative process, but also some convincing theories. We hope they are convincing theories about what it all might mean.
0: And even if they're not convincing theories, we hope they should be pretty entertaining conversations because that's also why, why we're doing this together. And we knew that we wanted to talk more about it. We wanted to understand more what was happening, what we were moving through us and what we were putting out into the world. And so that's what we're doing here, and hopefully we're doing it in a way that also leaves room for you to find your own significance in these spells.
1: Yeah, I'm, Joe. I'm so happy to be in these conversations with you. Aww,
0: that's It's nice. also,
1: yeah, it's a way for us to stay connected across
0: pandemic also- land. I didn't mean to say that you're going to find the way that you're significant in those spells. It's not like your own significant, maybe, but what I meant was that something meaningful for you could maybe come through those spells. Let me just clarify that a little bit, but Beautiful. I'm also very glad to be in these conversations with you. My sister.
1: <laughs> we together are Abacus Corvus. Hello. You probably know us by now if you're, you know, been listening, but I am Karina. I'm living on Lenny Lenape land, which these days is called Philadelphia.
0: And I'm Joe, and I'm in the hills of Madison County in Western North Carolina on stolen Cherokee Land. And this is our ninth episode. and with uh, with this episode, like all the others, we want to send our undying gratitude to our Patreon supporters. We love you. Thank you so much for believing in us and this baby project.
1: We also offer another uh, subsidiary uh, extra bonus podcast on the same feed. That one is called The Hum. And it offers you some highlights on the astro weather from each new moon to the next new moon. The next one is going to drop on October 5th, right before the Libra new moon on October 6th. So look for that.
0: In this riddle of a year, I am wondering, Karina, if you can let us know a bit about where we are.
1: Yeah, let's do the full read aloud of the text so far. So we have... A hush holds the hum and the holler. Worlds within worlds hover here briefly. Gravity's lullaby sing the evening, turning the certainty. Grace follows awkward, gather the needful.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: So this last sentence, the one we're working with today, gather the needful. Y'all know I'm a grammar nerd, so this one feels like a very straightforward command. You do this thing. I just, I appreciate that. on on the face value, at least there's nothing metaphorical happening. There's nothing vague or abstract happening. It is just do this thing. But Mm -hmm. I do want to talk
0: about the word needful and how Mm
1: -hmm. that one, that one word opens up Mm -hmm. just a whole world of ambiguity.
0: Absolutely. A whole podcast worth of ambiguity. Um, I, yeah. I also remember from last month that grace follows awkward was a bit of a close. It was like, Gravity's lullaby, sing the evening, turning the certainty, and then grace follows awkward, period. Gather the needful is also the beginning of the walk towards winter. And in the riddle, it's actually the beginning of the walk towards the solution, towards the close of the riddle. And so these, these commands are, are going to, you know, there is something very straightforward in it. And in, in the course of this riddle also, what is the needful?
1: Before we started recording, Joe and I were sharing our dreams with each other, the dreams we had last night. And I think both of us had an experience that is related to the sentence mm. of being in an environment in which you needed to do something and then pausing and asking, wait, do I have the resources I need for this?
0: Exactly. Yeah, let's look at this wonderful image that makes me laugh every time I look at it and that my little daughter is obsessed with. Every time we walk into the kitchen, she's like, dad, dad, (laughs) dad. Karina, do you want to tell us what you see? And for, for, for listeners, you beautiful listeners, you can follow along with your eyes or just close your eyes and let it be story time.
1: Yeah. As long as you're not driving, operating heavy machinery, you know, you do you. This image is a pika. A pica, if you do not know, is a very, very round, fluffy little rodent that lives in mountains and rocks and crevices. And in this image, we see a pica facing us, and the pica takes up almost the entire canvas. Uh, one ear is kind of, you know, just touching the top of the frame, and... The paws are, you know, very near to the bottom of the frame. There's just this bigness of when you look at this, you know, pica is right there. And this pica is gathering. Um, there are some leafy green twigs. It looks like maybe some fern fronds and some flowers. All kinds of nature trash in this animal's mouth. And the mouth is wide open. Like Like this critter could not close its mouth if it tried because there is so much good stuff in there. And the flowers themselves are kind of purplish in this way that corresponds with this sort of purplish, beautiful, um, it fuzzy background. And you get the feeling that behind this pica are rocks, um, sky, hard to tell, but down on the ground where there is more detail, right under those little claws, uh Um, one of my favorite things about a pika is that they are so so big and round, like their faces are big and round, their eyes are big and round, and then their feet come to these tiny little points. Um, I resonate physically. This is, this is a creature I feel some (laughs) affinity with. Uh, in my family, there's a, there's always been a joke about how tiny my hands are compared to, you know, the rest of my body. Um, so... Critter's tiny little claws are resting on um, a stone that has moss and lichen growing all over it. So there's a lot of sort of lusciousness and life underneath. And the image's colors are very subdued autumnal, I would say. If you are trying to uh, coordinate this with your interior design, (laughs) perhaps you might think you know some warm neutrals <laughs> um joe do you have anything to add
0: no that's it that's it that's absolutely awesome. it um, well no of course i have something to add just that the that the expression in this little friend's face um is very um gosh it's like it is at the same time, eager and (laughs) self-satisfied. Like it is like, um, you could, I, I get the feeling that it has paused in the midst of a great scurry. And yet in this moment is like, ah, like, yes, this is my, aha, this is my gathering. Do you see what I have found? So there's, there's some really, um, there's a little bit of, of com- like I I can't look at the image without smiling. It has an energy of like ah like there's some joy in it.
1: As Joe mentioned, this spell begins our walk toward winter. The themes that we wrote about in our blog have so much to do with abundance versus scarcity and the idea that we each of us have some experience of lack of ongoing sustained lack whether we have been in situations where that is material lack i don't have enough money i've lost my housing i don't have enough food or if that lack has been emotional or spiritual. I don't have Mm. healthy and appropriate intimacy. I don't have community. I don't have creative time. I don't have the capacity to connect with what I consider sacred and beautiful. There is just lack abounds in our world right now, even more so during the pandemic. And when we talk about abundance, particularly from a culture that is worshipping at the altar of capitalism, we often think about an abundance of commodities, (laughs) you know, this abundance Mm -hmm. of what can I buy to feed Mm -hmm. the emptiness? And it can be tricky talking about a different lens on abundance without recognizing that we're all trapped in capitalism together, that there's no individual freedom from it. You're not going to get out by getting more enlightened than the rest of us. And so our collectivity is implicated with each other. And yet, our collectivity can also imagine new things. Mm -hmm. And that's what this spell is for on a very Mm -hmm. deep core level to rethink our relationship to abundance and not Mm -hmm. from a spiritualist, capitalist perspective, which is if I am, you know, if I say enough mantras, if I meditate, if I eat vegan, if I am pure enough, I will manifest the material resources I need, uh, which is a really dangerous mentality and does nothing to get to the heart of the magic of what we consider uh, core to this spell.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about imagining new things and and yet at the same time, it's about seeing through a veil of this cultural idea that we all live in some of the new things we're imagining are things that have been here all along and so it's also about like really seeing what what truly exists in abundance and what can exist in abundance? What are the resources that when I have a lot of them, you also get to have a lot of them because there's a mm-hmm. lot of them about? And, and for us to, for me to have it might even multiply the chances of, of you having it because there might be some overflow, right? right. That, that there, there could be an idea that what we have does not take from mm-hmm. what another person can have.
1: It's easy to think about this when we consider having clean air or clean water yep yep how how this benefits everyone who can breathe it, everyone who can drink it.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, and it, you don't need to um, you don't really need to police or monitor how much you're breathing or drinking. There's just enough. There's a trust actually in the system that's sustaining you, which is just so phenomenally different from where we find ourselves culturally.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing that's so tricky about this phrase is thinking about what is needful when you are someone who is experiencing lack, profound lack on certain levels, Mm -hmm. or has experienced profound lack, and is also Living in a cultural narrative that tells you what abundance looks like, what you actually mm-hmm. need. This is what you think you need, but here's what you actually need.
0: And yeah, the, the the cultural narrative doesn't want you to know what you need. Right. Yeah. It's like it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. Look outside. Look outside. Mm-hmm. Let the outside messages tell you what you should be going after in order Mm -hmm. to respond to these deeply subjective internal messages that are coming up about what is needful. And that's kind of what we want to talk about, like in this, right? What are those deep internal messages that are letting you know what you need, what is truly needful?
1: Mm -hmm. I remember being in a conversation many years ago when I was in a polyamorous relationship and like so many poly people at the time, perhaps people still do this now, there was a lot of discussion of needs. What are your needs? Can I meet them? Can someone else meet them? Are your needs getting met? Passive voice, active voice, what are needs? And uh, my sweetheart and I started diving into what is a real need and found that it was an elusive target to try to define a need. And the best formula we came up with was to not define a need in the abstract but to always understand it as part of a set of conditions that you need in order for
0: something else to happen. Mm-hmm. If, in order to feel a certain way.
1: Yeah, I need honesty from you if we are going to feel trust, if I am going to relax around you, I need honesty, for example. So mm-hmm. it's not just saying in general, I need honesty, it's just one of my core needs, it just is always there, it's always sort of contextual and conditional. Um, you know, I would say that needing honesty in relationships is a core need, but that's because I want to trust people in my relationships. That's, that's a a desire I have. Right.
0: But only that, and I'm not saying like that honesty isn't some super sweet medicine, but honesty doesn't also mean I'm going to tell you absolutely everything. There's also a, a, a need sometimes to have a private experience To have things remain your own and to have some agency over when and how you talk about them. But, you know, how to do that without being deceptive, without being dishonest.
1: One thing I also want to name is that in that relationship in particular, and in this deeply ingrained pattern that I've noticed in myself around what it is I am trying to experience what I go for, what I decline. I'm always trying to do this internal mathematics about what do I really need? And from that internal mathematics, I've, (laughs) I've started to understand that my, my patterning that comes from family and culture and trauma and all the things, my patterning is always whispering to me Hmm. that I should need as little as possible. And so that process of trying to find what are my real needs is almost Mm. always an editing one. One of, you probably don't need all that. You probably need something small and simple and sparse. And if you could just find it, then you could settle and be happy and forget about all the things you can't have or that are just impossible. And so when I think about needs... This spell, for me, is also a spell of allowing a magnification of needs rather than a reduction.
0: Gathering them. Exactly. Gather them all up. Get them all in there. Uh-huh. Let, them, let you need the all the things. Let you need the all let the things.
1: Need, <laughs> let you need the all the things. <laughs> all the prepositions you want. And that... Separating out needs and desires maybe is not as important and virtuous as I have been led to believe.
0: Well, as we all have, I think that's, that's an important thing to, to say is that we, I, I don't even know where, where it comes from. It's hard for me to locate exactly the voices that, you know, where those voices are coming from that, um, well, you want it, but you don't really need it. You know, like well, you might want that, but you don't really need it, as though the needful is is the prudent path. And it's a
1: puritanical
0: voice. Desires. Actually, we need desires, we need wantings, we need the we need to be able to want things even if we can't get them. Because we also need the fullness of understanding that disappointment is tolerable, that some can be better than none. You know, like and and you know, there's there's so much more richness in allowing your needs and desires to be known and to be felt, kind of regardless as to whether or not they're all getting met all the time. Because they're not gonna get met all the time. You know, I am in a, a very long-standing, wonderful relationship. We've been together for decades. And there are, you know, like there's this, there's this reckoning with like, there are things that don't come naturally between us that I want. That's, I think, a very normal thing when you, when you, when you're with one person, right? You're like, whoop, yep, this is not the thing that comes easily for us. And that's okay. That's, you know, that means that one of the things that I need as a recurring space to be upset about it. So that I feel that I can have the fullness of what I want be understood by the person rather than going into a mental process of like, well, fuck, I really need to get this met. Where am I going to get it met? I'm going to start to strategize how to get all my needs met outside of this relation. You know, there's there's all kinds of complexity that can come in if we think that all of our needs are going to need to be met all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so in this process of gathering, I also like imagining a kind of chaotic and spontaneous joy in the gathering of the needful Mm -hmm. rather than the anxious assessment. That's
0: right. Yes. Just how hectic it can get in our, in our nervous systems and in our minds as, as we might be trying to go get the needful. It's as though we're gathering or trying to gather, but the basic premise is that you won't find it. It won't be there. That's the story that causes stress. Yeah. That's the stressful story, right?
1: And that stressful story is also the one that encourages us to minimize our needs. Absolutely. Yep. You probably won't get what you
0: actually need, so let's shave down even your own self-knowledge about what you need. That's right. And... Right? Shave down your own self knowledge about what you need and then be left with this growing uh, needfulness in your body that is going to drive you towards some kind of behavior that is not restrictive. Right? There's going to be some other thing, some obsessive quality, something where you can't get enough of it, whether that's a substance or a food or a shopping or a way of thinking or you know uh, going and exercising <laughs> dieting right like there's there's something that you're going to hold on to that you're not going to let yourself ever get enough of
1: yeah when you do not know what you need nothing can ever meet that need right there's never enough mm-hmm. oof I heard this somewhere. I don't know who said it. You can never get enough of what you don't need. Mm. But I want to reframe that as the attempt, the attempt to get it is an attempt to know what you need. That's right. So taking away the shame of it.
0: That's, I think, part of the big magic of this spell is that we say, go into it, go into it and find it, allow it. And maybe even, rather than focusing on paring down the things that you're, that you're going after that you don't need, let's actually try to amplify whatever it is you're restricting. I think that that might be more of the sort of counter magic <laughs> to the spell that's on us in our culture, right? Is like, what, if, what happens if you release restriction? Where are you restricting what happens when you release it?
1: which is a terrifying magic. I mm. I
0: mm-hmm.
1: have been practicing this in certain ways in my own life for years now, first around a kind of fixation and obsession on romantic love that I experienced for many years as a young and not-so-young adult. <laughs> not-so-young. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. Uh, right. Okay. As, you know, and I, I work with clients constantly who are in this pattern as well, and every time I do... I feel such a deep resonance with how many of us are trying to meet needs while pretending we don't have them in our relationships. Mm -hmm. And for me, the need was one for consistent, uh, stable, reliable presence and love. That's all. Mm -hmm. And in the relationships I was having, that was always scarce. There was always scarcity around how much time or attention can I have from this person? I always chose partners who were out of town, who had other partners, who were workaholics, who were unavailable for all the ways. Very, very common story. And after deep growth work, therapy, spiritual work, you know, just doing all the things that we all do as humans to learn more about what we really need and become more loving to ourselves in that process, um, I found a relationship that meets my needs and I have stopped obsessing. There is absolutely no obsession anymore around, will I ever have enough love? Will I ever have that, that, that part of me filled that, that was empty? And it's not because my partner fills all my needs. It's because I have consistency, which was the thing I actually needed. And all of the other things that I want sometimes that I maybe don't get in this partnership are not an experience of anxiety and not an experience of fixation in the same way. I have also been reading recently a book that a trusted mentor recommended to me that I initially didn't think I needed because it is aimed at people who have eating disorders. I did not consider myself one of those people. It is called The Fuck It Diet. It's by Caroline Dooner. And eventually, I got it from the library, I started reading it, and it's blowing my mind, because it is essentially talking about this principle, that what we re- restrict, we become obsessed with, and that any kind of restriction with food will lead to an obsession
0: with food. Mm, that's what we were just talking about, right? Wherever there's restriction, you're going to find obsession on the other side. Exactly.
1: Exactly. This spell, I feel, is very aligned with the principles of that book. Those of you who have any kind of disordered eating or I would say anxiety about food at all, it it might benefit you to check out this book and to start thinking about how can I fill myself? How can I be in touch with my desires and my needs, my physical needs for nourishment, fullness, uh, deliciousness, Uh, in a way that moves from that anxiety of, I I don't get to have what I need, toward that sense of abundance we've been talking about.
0: I'm just imagining, right, that light, uh, a somewhat more lighthearted gathering, rather than an anxious, an anxious seeking. And, and in that is also the freedom to not always get it right, that you're, you know, like you're going to try it. You're going to gather all these things and you're going to try them. And it's okay because you're in a process of learning right now. And I think that's one of the things that also gets taken away from us somewhere in this, in this world is that, um, you know, we have absolutely no opportunities really. Most of us have no opportunities to, to have gathering the needful really be modeled for us in the world, and then we think that we're already supposed to be able to do it right. And I think that one of the things that we want to talk about with this is that what is needed is a moving target. What is needed is going to be different from day to day because you are different from day to day. You're in different environments. You're under different stresses. Or you're, you know, there's so many other variables in what you need. It's not just this like little tiny book. And if you could just find it inside of yourself and read it, then you would know what to do.
1: But Joe, I want that
0: book. I know. Well, you can have that book as long as it can be rewritten every day, as long as it can be rewriting itself, you know? Oh, I just thought I wanted to get you that little book for some holiday. I'll make you a little book. Um, but the idea is that there could be some ease and there could be some play and there could be some wonderment in actually noticing what catches your eye. What do you crave? What are the things that give you a feeling of ooh, that looks nice. you know and and maybe you know this is a huge part of kind of my work in psychoanalysis, both, as a therapist, but kind of more as like, um, as a learner, as a student in that field is what happens if you don't just go into action right away? What if you notice what you want to do and maybe you're going to do it, but what if you pause and figure out what is, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you would be doing this for? what are you feeling, what do you imagine would come from it, you know, what does it remind you of in your past, does it remind you of people in your life, does it remind you of times, and you might actually find that there's, um, that what you initially think you want to do can actually be studied so that you can find out how you actually want to feel. This is kind of what you were talking about as far as the assessment that you and your partner did all those years ago. One of, I guess the part that I'm highlighting is noticing when you're about to just go into action, if it feels so quick that you would just go and jump and buy those dish towels or go and jump and buy that mustard colored hoodie, that's okay. It's not like you've done anything wrong by jumping into action or going after the thing you want. It's a process of studying. If you can slow down the action, it's, it opens up a playing field, I feel like, of, of learning about yourself. That reminds me also of a story that this image reminds me of,
1: which is um, my friend Mo Bowstern, who is a brilliant Fisher poet activist, all around creative genius. We were both selling our our goods at a craft fair together once, and Mo saw me rearranging things on my table and very sagely nodded and said, I see, moving fluff around. And I nodded because I, I thought I was supposed to know what was happening. You know how you do those things in social situations? You're like, yeah, sure, moving fluff around. Of course, that's what I'm doing. And then Mo was like, oh, you don't know this story. And told me this wonderful story that I have held close to my heart ever since about the creative process, which begins when Mo was living in a basement apartment in Portland and trying to do um, creative work there, you know, studio in the basement. She had been in a light-drenched studio before this. She was kind of depressed that she was underground now. And so her thought was, I will watch what underground creatures do And base my art practice on those ways of being. You know, so what are the squirrels and mice all up to? And so for her, she she started to delineate these three phases of creative practice. The first one being gathering twigs. The second one being chewing twigs into fluff. And then the third one being moving fluff around. And (laughs) she told me this you know, my, my brain exploded and I was like, this is all I really need to understand what it is I'm doing creatively ever. And what I love about it Mm. is that the gathering phase can often feel non-productive where, you know, when I'm trying to write something back in the days when I could just wander the halls of a college library When I had a deadline to write, one of the best things I could do was wander the halls of a library looking for books that sparked my interest, Mm -hmm. pulling them off the shelves, sitting in a chair, and just idly reading 10 different books, little bits and snippets. And for me, that was gathering. That was a gathering process. I was gathering Mm -hmm. the needful. I was gathering the twigs that I needed to make something interesting happen through my own language. And so... Mm-hmm. you know the chewing the twigs i think is what we often think of as i'm doing something i'm making something happen mm-hmm. and then also the moving the fluff around is really important you know for for a rodent you're feathering your nest you're you're making it how you need it and for an artist or a writer mm-hmm. or anyone who's being creative or magical in their lives that is a phase of how do i really want to arrange the resources i have how do i what do i what am i choosing mm-hmm. what goes where What's important? What can I discard? Yeah.
0: And let me just get into that somatic (laughs) too, is that you're just touching it. You're just touching it. You're like, this is my fluff. This is my fluff. I'm going to put it over here. And this is also my fluff. I'm going to move it over here. Right now I want my fluff over there. I mean, there's, there's just a process of being like, what if, what if underneath this whole story about being productive, like what if we're just animals what if we're just bodies that that are following certain impulses and then making meaning out of them but but even if the meaning is elusive in a moment follow the impulses like go gather your stuff and chew it down and then touch it and move it around you know just to be in a body
1: yeah and from that perspective joe when we come back to the word needful it means something really different to me which includes what is not needed like, what is <laughs> needful is in excess of what is needed. That's mm-hmm. just, that is the new definition of the word.
0: There's a tension between talking about this in a, in, a, in a world where we're always trying to do things that are sustainable or we're trying to conserve. And, you know, like there's, but once again, if there is a, an, a cultural obsession with productivity, right? And a cultural obsession with doing what is, um, you know, we, we need the fossil fuels. We need those forests to turn into all of, like, there's an obsession with capitalism, right? Then, then maybe if we can actually start to open up this restriction, right? And be like, what if I, what if the needful for me is actually, it's plenty. It's like, it's that there's plenty here i like it's more than what i need right then then i wonder if bit by bit, i mean that's the hope i wonder i pray i hope i hope i hope i hope that by opening that bit by bit we start to um make that obsession uh void right that 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 that, that sort of capitalistic urges it lo- will lose its power mm.
1: yeah i would argue that the people we fear becoming who Mm -hmm. are kind of selfishly hoarding all, all of the things that one ought not to hoard in this world. (laughs) I think that's the, that's the anxiety I have had for a long Mm -hmm. time as someone with environmental consciousness, as someone with a sense of collective responsibility to the world. There is this demon that I face in myself of the person who just wants all the good things who wants luxury and wealth and um, the tastiest food and the nicest fabrics. And, you know, I don't particularly want a jet plane, but I know there are people who have mm-hmm. jet planes. You know, I think there's this this uh, fear we have of going to excess when we allow ourselves to imagine having more than what we need, because there are very clear indicators that mm-hmm. there, are, there are people in, in this world who have more than any human possibly needs. And... They are held up for us as examples. Don't you want to be like like Jeff Bezos? Mm -hmm. Um, Isn't this the goal? Shouldn't we all be clawing clawing our way to get to that? And what we're offering with this spell is a really different understanding of what abundance and excess mean, because they are always in relationship to Mm -hmm. the the lived experience of joy, (laughs) you know, the lived experience of you know, I I gather from around me, I gather from what's near to me, some things are going to spill over and fall back on the ground and compost. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the process.
0: Right. That I think is the most important part of this, right? Is that if you were to gather more than you need around you, the excess would go back to the system. And that that is, that is a feeling of great joy. Right. That that I'm, there are more blueberries in this grove than I could possibly eat. And I will gather more than I can eat today. And I will. Sp- they are so ripe that when I reach for them, they are dropping onto the ground and I don't need to go hurrying after them because there are so many more. You know? And so it's, it's for you and yet for everyone. And that is a very hard shift to make.
1: This month's ritual is designed to help you pause and tap into that sense of your body knowing what it needs. The ritual itself can be done anywhere you are Lying in bed in the morning, imagining breakfast, sitting at work, spacing out, taking like an extra special time to meditate and light candles, whatever works for you. This, this can be a, a casual or elaborate ritual. And the essential question is, how can I enjoy this experience more? That's, that's all you're asking yourself. If you are lying in bed, you might find that your body wants to move and adjust to be more comfortable or relaxed. Maybe you want another pillow under your neck. Maybe you want more or less blankets. If you are hungry when you do this ritual, you might find yourself imagining all kinds of foods that, if you are someone who experiences food restriction, they might feel like the tantalizing foods that you don't allow yourself to have. I challenge those of you who feel willing to take this challenge, I challenge you to try to meet those needs as closely as you can. I personally live with a lot of food restriction. I have food allergies and food intolerances and food phobias because any food that I have had a physical reaction to becomes lodged in my lizard brain, in the amygdala, as a food that is potentially dangerous forever and ever from now on. So I've got a long list of foods that I feel some suspicion of in my body and tend to avoid. And as I've been working with this practice recently, I find myself imagining what is it that would be so delicious and good for me, what would nourish me so much right now, and I'll imagine something like waffles and ice cream. And those those are things I can't eat. <laughs> those are things that will make me sick. You know, if I eat gluten, if I eat grains with dairy, there, there is it's just not a thing that I'm actually going to try to attempt. But I can imagine that and then I can aim as closely as I can toward what would a version of that be that I could eat. And I say this with hesitation because I think it can be too easy to become restrictive in that interpretation of the fantasy. And so I want you to learn what your body feels in response to the new imagined food, right? So if I have gluten-free buckwheat pancakes, that's pretty close to waffles. If on the other hand, I have rice cakes, that's not really going to scratch the same edge. So for you, this ritual is one of tapping in to your body's desires in a way that increases the fluency of what it is your body is telling you it wants and your capacity to lovingly and appropriately respond without too much restriction and, you know, without indulging in things that you know are going to have dangerous effects on your health, right? So that's A tricky line to find. So practicing this ritual will mean occasionally getting it wrong. And part of the ritual itself is the release of anxiety around occasionally getting it wrong. Right? So clearly, you are not going to choose a food that gives you anaphylaxis. You're just not going to do that. That's not what we're talking about here. You might choose a food that you're scared of for a different reason, but might be more like, I'm afraid this food will make me gain weight, or I have been told that this is a food that is not good for me because it has chemicals or saturated fat or something, something, something. And confronting the anxiety itself until that experience of wanting the food can be one of joy, can be one of acceptance, of Yeah, this is what I want right now, without the deep sense of wrongness or fear that can get attached to that. If food is not your issue, this is something you might find yourself experiencing in relationship to intimacy, to rest, to all of the things that our body moves towards or away from, and noticing what makes us feel tight and shut down and curled in on ourselves And then what makes us feel a sense of expansiveness, where we feel full, we feel that the world we can imagine is one that we can pursue. That is the goal of this ritual. So let yourself imagine what would feel good right now. Let yourself imagine it fully. Let yourself move your body toward those things as much as you are able.
0: Yum, yum, yum. That's what's coming to mind as we wrap this up. I'm right now trying to teach or encourage my little child to eat food that is not breast milk, and I go, yum, 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 and she takes a spoon and is, can put food on it, and when I go, yum, 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 she opens her mouth wide and then gives me the spoon and, like, tries to <laughs> feed me. <laughs> we, don't, we don't quite have it. Don't quite have it yet, but we're getting really close. <laughs> Anyway, yum, yum, yum. Thank you for being on this, uh, on this journey with us. That is the end of this month's podcast. So to wrap up, you can follow us on Instagram at abacuscorvus. Sometimes we offer some sales on our stuff. Um, sometimes we have pictures of babies. Sometimes there's pictures of groundhogs. Sometimes there's pictures of works in progress. You can also check out our website at abacuscorvus.com.
1: And if you are enjoying this podcast, we encourage you to let other people know. Uh, rate and review it, like out on the internet where those things happen, tell your friends. And if you really want to help us out, you can join our Patreon for ad free episodes. Is that it? Well, Joe, I was just wondering in your creative process right now, what phase do you think you're in? Gathering, chewing, or moving fluff around?
0: Oh, I'm I'm absolutely moving fluff around. I am partnered with a human who shares a lot in common with a squirrel. So I'm very familiar with um like like you know, he's involved in like nut orchards and and nut processing and nuts. So it's actually like literally, they're like stashes of nuts. They're like literally stashes of nuts. Um but also, you know, we have a we have a new, we have a baby in this home. We've lived together for almost 20 years just as grown-ups. And now we have this baby and we, you know, baby likes to get into fluff. And so we're like, oh, we got to move the fluff around. We got to move the fluff over here. How can we put this fluff up there? And like, what's baby okay fluff? And um, the, whole, the whole system is sort of in flux. In
1: flux or in fluff?
0: We are currently in flux. Mm-hmm.